1: edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host Andy Katz. and on this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Old Dominion head coach Jeff Jones and produce Carson Edwards. Well, on the eve of Christmas as we are taping this, uh, certainly a lot has happened in the sport over the past a uh, week, Kentucky back to being and looking like a national title contender after beating North Carolina in Chicago. We've got a new entrant into the National Player of the Year race in Marcus Howard. He followed up a 45-point effort against Kansas State with 45 against previously undefeated Buffalo. So Marcus Howard of Marquette, make sure you put him in your conversation for National Player of the Year. He's also in there with Carson Edwards of Purdue, Wisconsin's Ethan Happ. Uh, You could go down the list, Duke Zion Williamson, Diedrich Lawson from Kansas, who uh, almost by himself practically got Kansas to beat Arizona State. Saturday night late in Tempe, yet it was the Sun Devils. Hand in Kansas, their first loss, the previous number one in the AP poll, previously undefeated. And Arizona State now is the clear, clear favorite in the Pac-12. Really, right now, the only team in the Pac-12 I would put in the field at this juncture. At the top of my Power 36 that you can get at March Madness and NCAA.com. I've got Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia holding steady as well as Duke after they knocked off Texas Tech in a great game at the Garden last Thursday night. Nevada, Michigan State, Kansas, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Texas Tech rounding out my top ten. Houston still undefeated as they came back uh, beating uh, LSU, St. Louis, and Utah State over the last week or so. i got Arizona State skyrocketing up to number 12 from 25. NC State, which knocked off Auburn. They're at twenty-six. And then Indiana, Marquette, Ohio State, North Carolina slides a little after losing. Wisconsin, Florida State, Seton Hall, a great road win at Maryland. They're a 20 for me. Oklahoma, an exciting overtime win over Northwestern on the road. Buffalo, I slid down from 12 to 22 after losing uh, at Marquette, but the Bulls are going to be, I think, a potential second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. Auburn lost at NC State, but they just haven't played well, even though they've been winning games. I slid them back in the back part of the top 25. TCU out at the Head Classic. Iowa, Minnesota, St. John's still waiting for them to play someone um, relevant, and they'll do that opening the Big East at Seton Hall. And then Virginia Tech, Louisville. Iowa State gets Linda Wigginton back. Watch the Cyclones. Mississippi State's on a roll. Cincinnati crushed UCLA. Villanova survived UConn in the second half. Butler... Missouri and LSU. Missouri, I watched them the Bragging Rights game against Illinois on Saturday night in St. Louis, and they looked very good. They have refound themselves after losing Jontae Porter at the beginning of the season. He was by far their best player. This is a team that's gritty. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman, uh, Mark Smith, Jordan Geist. Uh, I love. I, I really fell for this team. The has got, and I think they're going to be a factor in the SEC. And then LSU knocked off pre- uh, previously undefeated Furman. Uh, look for the Tigers uh, to be an upper division team in the SEC as Tremont Waters continues to impress. So my team of the week, Arizona State, after knocking off Kansas in Tempe, player of the week, Marcus Howard, 45, 40 in the second half to beat Buffalo. It was quite a performance by Marcus Howard of Marquette. He is something special. All right. So I got a couple of very good interviews, I think, a little uh, shameless plug there. Uh, One, certainly around the holidays, that I want to share with you with Jeff Jones. Uh, He's the Old Dominion coach, former coach at Virginia, and American. Um, He went public earlier in the year uh, discussing his prostate cancer, trying to draw attention to that. Hopefully, uh, we'll really get people to go forward and be proactive and get checked. And then I was at Purdue earlier in the week and uh, had a conversation with Carson Edwards of the Boilermakers. So uh, enjoy And I'll say this at the end, I'll say it now, Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Here is our podcast, March Madness 365. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Old Dominion head coach Jeff Jones. And the Monarchs are fresh off a road win uh, a week ago at Syracuse. Certainly going to be one of the teams that's going to be vying near the top of Conference USA. A lot of topics to to get to with uh, Jeff. And Jeff, let's first deal with on the court and last week's win over Syracuse. What did that tell you about your group?
0: Well, the the way it happened, I I think, uh, you know, kind of reinforced that it's a a pretty strong-minded group that uh, is is not afraid to work. You know, we kind of got in a hole but stuck together and kind of grinded and, and got ourselves back in the game and made some plays at the end. So... I think that was really, uh, you know, an indication of the mindset of of our team.
1: And look, I don't want to diminish anything because, you know, Buffalo went in there one. I mean, I think that clearly Buffalo is one of the better teams in the country after you guys. And Syracuse, I still think, will be one of the better teams in the ACC. But what did this tell you about where maybe your team is headed in Conference USA?
0: Well, um, you know, I I look at us as as a team that's evolving early in the the year down in, in St. Thomas, we played Oregon State in, in the, uh, the first round of the Paradise Jam. And, you know, we, we had a chance and really had control of that basketball game. I, th- I think we had a nine-point lead with four minutes and 57 seconds left. And we just shot ourselves in the foot. We didn't do what good teams need to do down the stretch. And we lost that game. And, and you know, it was a painful loss, but you're, you're always hopeful that, you know, you can learn lessons even in, in losses. So against Syracuse when we were down – you know, that just kind of you know hanging in there and, and continuing to grind, I think, showed us that our, our our young basketball team is growing. We we need to continue doing that. You know, as as we approach conference play and throughout conference play, you know, we're we're uh, you know fortunate to have two very good senior players, Ahmad Kaver and, and BJ Stith, who are both playing at a really high level. But for us to reach our potential and really have a chance at, at hopefully winning conference USA. You know, it's it's going to be some of these young guys and, and and maybe even some older guys that are inexperienced. We you know we've got a a graduate transfer and 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 Albert Robinson, we got a transfer from Providence and and Dickens who, you know, just hasn't played uh, a lot of basketball. So, you know, for us, I think you know we've we've got a high ceiling, but we've got to keep moving and you know trying to approach that that you know whatever the ceiling is, trying to approach that.
1: And historically, those that are listening, this conference has produced. uh Plenty of teams that have produced upsets, obviously, in the tournament. Teams like Western Kentucky, obviously Marshall last season, Middle Tennessee State. And I wouldn't discount, obviously, a team like North Texas now and Old Dominion. So there's a lot of talent in this conference, and I think certainly when we get to March, that'll be seen. Uh, BJ Stith, you mentioned him. I'm feeling old now because I remember covering... Brian Stiff, his dad, who's on your staff, <laughs> uh, when you guys were in Virginia, uh, and I can't get—I can't wrap my head around the fact that now, you know, players that I covered have kids that are playing, that I'm still covering, you know, their kids. What kind of similarities do you see between Brian and BJ, and vice versa? Well, you know, I think more and
0: more I'm starting to see more similarities. If if you had asked me that question three years ago, when when BJ first transferred from. Uh, Virginia to, uh, to to Old Dominion, I'm not sure that they I, I would have seen a lot. But as B.J. Has, has matured, as he's improved, I'm seeing more and more. And, and, and you know, just last night we, we beat Richmond in uh, uh, a game that, that, quite honestly, we we, we dodged a bullet. Um, you know, we were down eight with about eight and a half minutes to go. And what B.J. did down the stretch was uh, vintage Bryant Stiff. He ended up with 30 points and, and how he got them was very similar to what his, his dad used to do in college. And believe me, Andy, if you're feeling old, <laughs> what about me? I, as an assistant at Virginia, I recruited Brian Stith when he was a, a ninth grader. Uh, and so now I not only, you know, coach Brian, I'm coaching his son as, as well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there for sure.
1: Well, more than anything though, you sound great. And you know, I, I was thinking about you around the holidays. You know, since you made your announcement in September that your prostate cancer had returned um, and that you're going to go through uh, obviously treatment again. I mean, this has been a battle, obviously. I think, if I'm not mistaken, since 2015 in some form. So, first off, I want to find out how you, how are you feeling? I'm I'm
0: feeling good. You know, the the treatment is working. There's some uh, you know a few uh, side effects that aren't uh, aren't exactly fun, but uh, it's 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 worth you know, what, what we're accomplishing with the treatment. I'm, I'm feeling good and, uh, you know, just uh, really, really focused on the season. You know, fortunately, I, I don't have to worry about uh, the cancer and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't dwell on that at all.
1: When well, I think you've got an unbelievable attitude and you've been outspoken as well. What message would you like to share uh, for men that, and you know, that clearly being preventive can save lives? Well, I, I think the big thing is that, uh, you know, you, you, you just have to, you know, get your
0: PSA checked. I mean, it's really as simple as that. And, you know, especially men, uh, you know, 50 or older, and there's different subsets that, uh, you know, are maybe more likely if if there's a a history of of prostate cancer uh, in in the family, it's it's more prominent in African-American men. But just being vigilant and making sure it doesn't take long. It's it's just a simple blood test to go in and get your, uh, your, your PSA taken And, and, you know, that's an indicator that, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, it might come up as a false positive, but if you don't go, you will never know. I found out because I had applied for some additional life insurance and, uh, you know, had, had I not done that, had the insurance company not required me to do that, I would have never known. I was not feeling any, uh, any, any sort of symptoms. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have, would not have, uh, gotten my PSA checked and, and had that happened. You know, then then the, the, the cancer kind of grows, you know, un, unchecked. But uh, I, I was lucky; I was very fortunate, and uh, you know, had the surgery and radiation and, and all that, and have had you know out, outstanding care. But the big thing is, you know, again, for men that are 50 or or over, or have a history of prostate cancer in their family, you know, if, if they get checked, you know, that's it's it's a very simple process, and that can uh, you know that could uh, quite honestly save their life.
1: Yeah, I, I've never compreh- comprehended when, you know, whether it's that, getting a colonoscopy, um, you know, they're simple. I mean, they're not totally simple in terms of colonoscopy, but there <laughs> are things that you can do, you have access to in this country uh, if you have health care. Uh, hopefully most people do, if not everyone, and you can prevent these things. And I, I'm always blown away when I hear stories of men who, who don't go to the doctor, who don't go for these preventive checks, if they if they have the opportunity, if they have insurance, which, like I said, I hope everyone does or would. And, and that's why so many of these can be prevented. And, and, and I think that, you know, you coming out and discussing this, you know, is, is as a leader in your community can be a great uh, role model for others to say, you know what, yes, I should go do that.
0: Well, you know, that's really the whole reason why uh, my wife and I you know, decided. You know, to say something. I I found out uh, probably a year and a half ago that my, that my con- cancer had had come back. I and mean, we you know we kept it quiet. I didn't want my players to have to you know worry about it and all of that. But as I was beginning treatment, you know, the the, the potential for me being seen, you know, going you know to the oncology uh, office and and all that. So I, I figured, okay, it's the best thing. Get it out there, and 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 hopefully we can. Uh, you know, shed some light on it and and, and help men. And uh, it's it's really gratifying for me. And it's not why I did it, but it's gratifying to me when I there have been gentlemen that have stopped by my office to share that they have it or that they you know they went and they they got tested. Uh, I get emails probably you know one one a week from somebody around the country saying that uh, you know because of you know your announcement or whatever you know I went and I got my PSA and. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a good thing if, if we can help just one person. And, you know, I don't know that getting your PSA taken is going to prevent prostate cancer. But what it can do is it can alert the physicians at the onset very early on so that it can be treated and it never progresses. Because while prostate cancer is a very non-exclusive club, so, that, you know, there's a lot of men that have it. But you you can if if treated early and treated properly, you know you you can control it and
1: you can address it uh, before it becomes uh, you know life threatening. Jeff, yeah, throughout the course of your life, really not just your career, whether it's as a player as a coach, how much has the basketball court been your sanctuary?
0: Uh, going as <laughs> going as far back as I, I I can think. I mean that's that's where even as a little kid, I mean that's that's where I was happiest. I, my my father coached at uh, Kentucky Wesleyan College, you know, and I, I was the kid that, uh, you know, I was at all my dad's practices that I could be and, and, and watching. And, you know, I didn't always have to be shooting, but I wanted to be in that basketball environment. You know, there there was a movie. I've used this analogy before the movie, The, the River Runs Through It. Uh, it talked about how the, the river in in the movie, you know, kind of brought everybody together. That was kind of the central thing. Well, basketball is my river. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm happiest. I love being there. You know, when I got uh, let go at at, at Virginia back in 98, you know, I I really enjoyed having some, some extra time, you know, being with my kids and being able to do stuff that you can't necessarily do if you're, you know, you're a a college basketball coach. But after a while, I realized I just missed being part of a team. You know, I, I did a little bit of TV. I did a little bit of, you know, just traveling around, but being part of a team is, is, is huge uh, and, and, you know, something bigger than yourself. And so, I, you know, I've, I've loved the game of basketball, loved being part of a team and, and loved coaching, uh, you know, again, for, for as long as I can remember.
1: And Jeff, this area that you've been in, whether it's playing or coaching at Virginia, American, ODU, you've been in that, you know, Virginia, D.C. metro area pretty much your entire adult life. Uh, what is it about that area that you've connected with so well? Well, um,
0: you know, when, when when I left Owensboro, Kentucky and went to uh, to Charlottesville to attend uh, University of Virginia, you know, I I never would have guessed that I would, you know, stay there. I mean, it was very foreign. I mean, you know, some kid from the country, you know, and not that Charlottesville is a, a, a real big city, but it's a lot more advanced than uh, Owensboro was. Much
1: more progressive. But I got,
0: yes. <laughs> You know, but I, I just kind of fell in love. And I, I, I literally, I think I grew up in, in Charlottesville and in this area. Uh, it's it's a wonderful area for a lot of reasons. And now it's home. You know, my, my family and my friends and everybody's around here. And, you know, D.C. was just a couple hours from Charlottesville. And, and Norfolk is just a couple hours from Charlottesville where, where my, my kids are. It, it, it's just home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's
1: been great. And uh, quite honestly, I, I can't imagine living in any other area of the country. Well, Jeff, I just want to wish you and your family a very happy holiday and just thrilled to hear your voice and hear that you're doing so well and, and you got a pretty good team too, so uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me. All right, Andy, I really appreciate it. Coming to next on March Madness 365 we'll be joined by Purdue's Carson Edwards, a preseason Big Ten Player of the Year and a National Player of the Year candidate. And now joining me here in March Madness 365, Purdue's Carson Edwards and Carson, I was driving the bus. I was leading the bandwagon. I had you as my national preseason player of the year. All this can still happen. Let's assess sort of the first part of the season for you. You've scored in bunches. Uh, the team has struggled, but a lot of it is experience and where the games have been played. How would you assess where you are and this team uh, is at as we approach the holidays?
2: Uh, I mean, I think it's a, we're at a good spot. I mean, we able to get a win before the break. I believe like Coach Painter is telling us, I mean, we've had some tough losses, but we still have some good teams we play down the stretch that help us a lot with kind of getting our spot in the NCAA tournament, just continue to just continue to get better. But I feel like all these games are learning experiences for us and just continue to, to better as a team and continue to gel. So I think I'm okay. I mean, obviously I want these wins, but I'm still okay with this spot right now. We're going to continue to get better, and I think we're going to be all right. A year ago, you had plenty of help, experienced
1: help. You didn't have to do as much as you did now. When you entered this season, how much responsibility did you feel on your shoulders?
2: Uh, I mean, honestly, I just approached it like every every year, just kind of doing my role, doing my job, because I have good guys around me that I continue to do their job as well. So, I mean, I take the responsibility, I guess, just because I'm hard on myself. But for the most part, I continue to just want to work and help my team win. When you say you're hard on yourself, how does that materialize? I'm sorry, what do you mean by materialize? I got it. Well,
1: like, how does that show when you say, you know, when
2: you're when you're mad or you're hard on yourself? Mm-hmm. How does that exhibit itself? I guess it's just my way of just trying to play a perfect game the best way possible, you know? Just finding ways to make the least amount of mistakes as I can and understanding and trying to improve after every game. So just being hard on myself, even if people think I play well, I still always feel there's something I can do a lot better on. So, so to that point, what specifically will frustrate you? Um, I think just taking care of the ball. I mean, there's, there's games where I turn the ball over, and I feel like those are lackadaisical and I feel like I'm getting kind of casual with the ball so like those like that and decision making that's what that's what um me ends up turning the ball over so those things like that kind of upset me so you know the freshman class um a lot of talent but
1: there's growing pains and that's normal I mean some of these freshman classes around the country like at Duke that's abnormal that guys are ready to walk in and and play right away how would you assess the development of the freshman that you're going to need throughout the course of this big 10 season
2: uh I mean, I think I think they're gonna be fine. I mean, they continue to work they come to practice every day and they work hard, things like that and they're just good guys, so they always want the best for the team they do what's best for the team to help them win, help us win. so I mean, I feel like they'll be fine. they're gonna to continue to work and Trevian he's getting some minutes and I feel like he's doing well and he's gonna to continue to learn as well. so what I
1: love about watching you is you don't shy away from contact mm-hmm. you know your strength
2: you, you, you absorb
1: it, you take it. At what point in your career? Did you know, you know what, I need to get strong enough to where, as a smaller guard, I can absorb that and still finish
2: at the rim? Uh, I mean, I guess I didn't really think of it like that. I mean, but I play football, so I just like, I lifted a lot playing football. And I guess it just kind of translated and helped me in basketball. So being able to take contact and be able to finish around the rim, which I'm still working on. I still need to continue to improve on, but yeah.
1: What are the parallels in playing football? Because you look like sometimes like a running back, you know, when you find that you know that cut and slicing into the lane. We saw some of that in this game against Ohio, where you can get to the rim and almost bounce off of people and still finish.
2: I mean, I guess just kind of like that what you said, just being able to play through contact and and ways like that. And I still think I need to continue to work and get stronger and uh, stronger my legs and things like that. But I feel like that helps me in that way, just being able to play in, the, in traffic and get through the lane and finish with contact. So.
1: You know, it's funny you say that about lifting. And sometimes I hear basketball players don't enjoy
2: that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that because of your football background that you don't mind the lift? I mean, I wouldn't say it's my background. I feel like it's. I just kind of see the big picture of me lifting will benefit me in the long run. And Matt Payne, your head coach, you know, we've heard from him – you know not not no
1: coach speak he never is he just sort of tells it like it is and mm-hmm. after the Notre Dame game he was pretty clear about you know the demands that he would want and from players and accepting roles and responsibilities and, and being selfish maybe in a good way what have you learned in your couple of years with Matt Painter about the way he coaches and the way he demands certain things out of players and, and
2: expectations that's kind of even before I was here, when I was in high school, just kind of understand how he's honest. He's gonna give you the real deal, and he's gonna. To... But also at the same time, he wants the best for you. So that's what I kind of understand about him, and he's gonna be straightforward with you because everything he's telling you is just for the better of the team, and then, and then in the longer it comes to helping you as a person. So that's why I like Coach Paint. And lastly, I want to get your your,
1: your opinion nationally because I know you're a student of the game as well. There's a lot of player of the year candidates in this league alone. You know, you, Ethan Happ, you could go down the list of various players, Juan Morgan. But nationally, you got Rui Hachimura, Zion Williamson, uh, Diedrich Lawson. What do you think about the depth of potential player of the year candidates
2: in college basketball this season? Those are great players around the country, but honestly, like, it's great to be part of that but uh i'm just trying to work on stringing some wins together for our team and just continue to win and get go far in the end of the season so that's just my focus and just continue to better get better as a team get better as a player every game but doesn't it also show the depth in this league in the big 10 yeah and i, I knew that i knew that coming in as a freshman understanding the depth in, in big 10 and how competitive it is so i don't think it's one of the better conferences yeah. in the country so i'm excited to be able to play against good competition every night appreciate it carson thank you thank you
1: And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. It's been a great 2018 so far. We've got one more show before the new year. But I want to wish everyone who listens and across the college basketball landscape Merry Christmas, a happy holiday, and we will talk to you very soon in the next few days. Thanks for listening.